Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky. I'm the founder and president at ABS Kids. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. Working with kids on the spectrum can be fun, rewarding, and provide a unique working experience each day. It can also pose challenges and require creativity in working through some pretty complex situations. This week, we welcome Megan Marks to the podcast to talk about what a career in the ABA field looks like. Megan is a former registered behavior technician, or RBT, and now recruits individuals to work at ABS Kids. We're excited to go over what the career in ABA might look like and the many benefits this career path holds, both professionally and personally. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's our pleasure, and we appreciate all the work that you did as a registered behavior technician, but also right now in sharing your experience in of recruitment. Of course, this is definitely a career field that I'm passionate about. I'm excited to be able to share my experiences with your listeners. Well, to get into that question and kind of hear your passion, I guess we'll start there, is most people in the field of, of autism have gotten there because they're inspired, because that's where their heart is. How did you get into the field of ABA? So coming right out of college, my major was actually in psychology, and I was looking for something that I could get into that provided me with some more um, work experience. And I just happened to fall into the career field of ABA therapy actually by accident. And being able to work with these clients and really make this connection with them has just fueled my passion so much. And it's what has kept me in this career field for years now at this point. I have so many stories that I can share. Um, just being able to see the smile on their faces um, after they've been working really hard on a task and finally are able to get that task down um, or even hear the communication aspect coming in from the parents and see the difference that we are able to make, not only in therapy, but um, with this individual in the community as well. Um, I've even had actually a client whose parent uh, came back to me after a year of working with this individual and they were able to say, you know, I was able to take my child to the first time in months to the grocery store and were able to redirect any behaviors that they might have had or um, able to use those self-coping mechanisms that we definitely teach in this therapy. And they were able to take them and it was a, su a successful trip. So just hearing those stories um, really just helps to kind of fuel that passion and um, draw you even further into this career field. And especially as a BT and an RBT, you get to know these kids so well and so in depth and um, able to make a difference not only in their lives, but also their family and friends' lives as well. Well, and that sounds like such a, a purposeful um, position to be in. So what was your, I guess we'll call it an aha moment. For me, it was when I went through the process of going through psych, I followed your path. Um, and I finally got to work with children and see how much growth and how much of an impact you can have at such an early age. That's what got to me 
what is it that got to you that said, you know what, I'm in the right place? Um, I can remember that very first client. It was actually a nonverbal client who I had been um, introduced to and I started working with. Um, one of, I guess, his most favorite kind of aha moments that I have relating back to him um, is we were working actually with his favorite toy as a reinforcement. So giving him just a little bit of break from all the kind of activities that we had been working on already. And he was really interested in flowers. So I kind of drew that in. It was a little flower puzzle. And um, we've been working really hard for some time now. And I was able actually to hear him speak for the first time and use his words and actually ask for help. Um, and it was one of those moments where you get so caught up and excited that I completely forgot to help for the first few seconds. And I was just you know, smiling so huge. I wanted to run out and tell everyone and go tell my BCBA and say, oh my gosh, you know, we heard him speak for the first time and actually use his words. And it's one of those things that you have to remind yourself and follow through because that is so important within this career field. But he had asked for help, so I needed to follow through and actually help him and then reward, you know, that he was able to use his verbal um, aspect. So I think, you know, that was such a big aha moment. But honestly, just making that continual connection with them, that has been the aha moment um, that just keeps repeating and repeating, whether it's something, um, that seems so little as, again, sitting still for 30 seconds. Um, that is such a huge progression, even for some clients. Um, or maybe it is a bigger type of progression, like having a nonverbal client speak for the first time. Um, whatever that progression is, it's definitely an aha moment every day to keep you, um, to keep you interested in the position, I would say, of course. And not, not many jobs offer an aha moment every day, but I hear that passion. I hear that pride in your voice, but I, I often wonder is, you know, how does, how does that stay? How does that have the value of kind of retaining the passion and keeping that going? Because that's what the field is about. Did you ever hit those time periods where, you know, you hit a lull or maybe progression wasn't happening with your kids? How did you keep that same spirit that I'm hearing in your voice right now? Yeah, of course. So finding, finding whatever it is, like how I just mentioned, you know, whether it's something small that doesn't seem maybe um, like a huge step towards progression, but just finding the small victories and celebrating those. Um, even something as small as seeing your client smile and being able to build that rapport and build that connection. Um, I've seen firsthand that the stronger, honestly, the stronger rapport and the stronger connection you do have with these clients, the easier those therapy sessions do go because they are wanting to to work for you. They're wanting to make you happy. So they're more able to kind of focus on um, whatever the task at hand may be. Um, I would definitely say how to keep that passion is, again, finding kind of those small victories, but also um, self-motivating. Self-motivation, it, it's hard, especially during those challenging moments where you are having clients who uh, might be screaming for 10 minutes straight um, or who might be, you know, participating in whatever behaviors that they may have, it gets challenging. But knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, there is um, a way towards that progression. You know, each behavior we're able to redirect, we're teaching them even more so these skills to help cope so that maybe next time when these behaviors do start to come up, we can help to kind of um, redirect that or help them to calm down and de-escalate themselves before we reach that escalated state. So um, I definitely think finding the small victories and then just kind of keep pushing through and pursuing that passion um, and self-motivation during those times. Again, there's going to be days like how I said that maybe 
some things in your personal life has happened, but you have to be able to separate that and leave it at the door and know that when you go in, your focus is on these kids and wanting to help them. Even if you don't see the progression that day, the big picture, it's always a step forward, even if it is a step or two back. Wonderful advice, not only for RBTs, but I think also for parents and everybody involved. It's, you know, we have to really recognize those small gains on a regular basis, and it's hard to do. And in this field as an RBT is, it's burnout as a, as a possibility if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't remember all of these wonderful things each of the children are doing on a regular basis. So how do you describe this position when at, in your recruiting role, we're going to shift gears, but it's in this recruiting role, you're trying to describe a job that I don't think will ever look the same day to day. I don't think could look the same when you're looking at uh, child to child, because every child with autism is a different child. Like every personality is so different. Every family is so different. So how do you describe this job? Yeah, just like how you said, every day is completely different. Um, even working with the same clients, especially in this role um, at ABS, working and getting to know these clients, their interests change on a day-to-day -day basis. So not only are you having to keep up with everything, um, but kind of gauging their interests. And by building rapport, you're able to more easily do that. I personally like to start my days working with my clients and taking whether it's the first 30 seconds, whether it's the first few minutes, whether it's um, singing a song, doing a little dance, watching a video that they're interested in, um, playing toys, playing trucks, playing Barbies, whatever. Again, their interests are for that day by starting off the therapy session. So you're able to more positively pair yourself. And when I talk to uh, the candidates that I interview, I always like to give them just kind of that tip and trick. Um, it's, I think, a great um, kind of thing to know whether you are working in this career field or just working with children in general. Building that rapport is such an important aspect. I like to take them kind of through how my day looked as an RBT. So running through the programs that are predetermined for the children. Our BCBAs in general do a very good job of specifically creating these programs, um, again, for this individual child and based on that progression and where they're at. Um, so running through those programs, I think some of my favorite ones to do have been just playing games with the children and being able to teach them kind of that socialization aspect and that when they do lose a game, that life goes on. It's just a game. And we're able to move past that and congratulate the winner, teach those kind of social skills so that when they do go out into the community, they can remember them and make those social connections with their peers. Um, some of my other favorite programs is teaching them, you know, who a doctor is, what a doctor does, so that when, again, they go out into the community, if they see a doctor, they're able to make that connection and use kind of the knowledge that they learned during the therapy session as well. Um, I think, you know, those programs, again, they range, they are so um, wide and diverse, and each one is so much fun um, being able to help them progress and again going back to kind of that consistency aspect you run those programs several times um, so finding the patience in that as well is so important um, and behaviors they do they definitely do arise whether it's one a day whether it's several during that therapy session they definitely do arise so being able to redirect that um, and redirect it in an appropriate manner so that we are able to kind of continue back to that task is so important. Um, I like to, you know, make them aware that there are behaviors. 
there are challenges with coming into this, but I definitely think, again, going back to that rewarding aspect, it makes up for it. You have to find kind of the patience and um, take a deep breath as you're going through these behaviors. Um, but I like to definitely make them aware of that as well um, and give them, again, that tip and trick, going back to the rapport aspect. If you have a stronger rapport, you're more easily able to kind of redirect that behavior because you have that bond. So they know you're there, again, to help them and kind of build that connection more so. And Megan, you went through and you described how unique each one of these children are. But as an RBT is that we're still providing care and therapy to children. And when, when I look at this is that I look at it as I'm entering their world. Um, so I, I kind of going back 20 years ago, but I, I remember times where I was crawling around the floor looking like I was a lion and we were playing safari and, or we were the Incredibles and we were going through all the questions still with that structure you're describing, but trying yes, to immerse definitely. it into their of daily course. life. Yeah, it's definitely a physical position, I would say. Um, I've jumped on many trampolines with my kids and climbed through many tunnels and tents and played make-believe and done puppets and plays that we've put on and, um, you know, whatever those interests might be, whether it is even sitting on the ground with them and reading a book and having them um, point at pictures and be able to make that connection, maybe bring the book to life. Um, one of my favorite clients, they loved the piggy and elephant books. And so as we were going through it, we got to act out the different parts and point at the animals and kind of relay the sounds that they make. Um, even things such as that, where you're able to use kind of their interests and reinforcement periods, you're able to make those connections and kind of continue um, that teaching moment and that experience. But, but yes, there's, there's definitely times where you're up and down and all around and having to uh, move and kind of follow them into whatever activity they might be into. We've done flying kites, throwing balls, you know, playing basketball and teaching them how to catch a ball or throw it. Um, even smaller movements such as, you know, learning how to write um, or hold even just a pencil. Um, maybe it's um, doing things such as learning how to fold and use that dexterity of their hands and fold maybe a washcloth or um, a jacket, zip up that zipper, um, so many different programs and aspects, but it's, it's definitely a physical aspect, whether it's just your hands or your whole body that you're moving. I'm always amazed when I watch an RBT in action because they're taking these, these drills, these skills that have to be done consistently, and yet I would never know that those are drills that they're working on because they're so creative all the time. I do want to ask you, though, is that you mentioned behaviors and children can be aggressive when they can't communicate. They can um, have some large protests. Um, some children who are autistic have self-injurious behaviors. Um, I'd love to hear from your perspective is that as an RBT, you're dealing with trying to change these over time. And as a family, the families have been living with this for quite a few years often before we even get there. So how is that, what does that feel like to see those changes and see the family start to feel that their life is getting back to something a little bit more stable? 
Yeah, that's a great question, of course. So um, I, I think the best way to answer that question is honestly by just kind of relaying um, with one of my clients and kind of just telling another story through it. Um, I did have a client actually that did have lots of behaviors. They had self-injurious behavior. They had aggression towards other children, aggression towards a therapist, aggression at home towards the parents, um, towards their siblings. And so this was definitely a behavior that um, we need to prioritize to try and um, redirect it into a more positive manner. And I think um, one of the main points about redirecting that behavior and teaching them these coping skills is being able to communicate. Um, it goes back to building that rapport. Children feel safer in communication when they feel that they have this connection with you and being able to talk about your feelings. Um, we, we can definitely allow breaks. It's hard for adults to sit still for hours at a time. It's even harder for kids to sit still for, you know, moments at a time even. Um, like how you said, each child with diagnosed with ASD or normative developing, they are so different. Um, and so each of these behaviors do differ. But going back to my client um, and their self-injurious behavior, for example, um, we would block the behavior as best as we can and redirect that behavior and have them vocalize their needs, vocalize their wants. Um, and once they are able to vocalize that, we're able to reward that because that is essentially the aspect that we're wanting to focus on is instead of kind of portraying into these behaviors or taking part of these behaviors that we're able to use those words instead. So that was something going back to consistency aspect. That is something that we had to um, constantly say, you know, use your words, tell us what you want. Um, what are your needs? What do you want? Um, definitely doing that. There's lots of things such as um, compliance sequencing. So just having them follow small tasks to try and get their mind off of whatever might have angered them or whatever that trigger might be. So going back to that self-injurious behavior, we would have them um, clap their hands, touch their head, touch their nose, ask what their name was, and they would be able to reply based on their functionality. Um, ask them maybe what their parents were, basic kind of programs or tasks that they had already mastered so that we're able to kind of refocus their head and redirect that into one thing. Um, and then we're able to kind of, by doing that, um, get the focus off of that self-injurious behavior and block that aspect. And so after time, with rep repetition constantly, um, going through this, we are able to see that change. Um, we're able to, you know, work with them. And so that finally they are, whenever they do start to feel that behavior coming on, they're able to vocalize that and say, hey, Miss Megan, I need a break. Miss um, Megan, you know, maybe this, maybe the activity that we're doing is a little bit challenging. So they're able to um, have me help them a little bit more, or ask for clearer instructions. Um, but just kind of vocalizing that. Um, again, consistency is key when working through these behaviors and it's we're not going to see the change after a day it's definitely something that takes time so I think keeping that in mind um, that again any step towards progression is progression and celebrating those small victories like we mentioned that definitely helps those parents um, in the patience aspect of it because again changes don't happen overnight so yeah. I think that is one of the most important things to see um, when we work through these behaviors yeah, and I mean, when you're discussing everything that's going on, the challenges, the achievements, the uh, the big steps, the helping the families, it sounds like this is an ideal position for somebody who's trying to get their get into the industry or get their feet wet with a child development degree or an education degree or a psych degree. But how do or is there 
a potential next step forward. So somebody comes in as an RBT saying, I want to experience, I want to continue to learn. I want to start my career. Where does it go from there? Of course. Um, so typically, if you don't have that prior experience, you actually are able to come into this career field as a behavioral technician or behavioral therapist. So starting off just as a BT. Um, one of honestly the great things that I love about ABS is, is that we are able to help provide that experience and education aspect um, to help become RBT certified. That RBT certification that you mentioned, that is definitely a next step in this career field. It um, says that you have more experience working with these kids, but that you also have more education and knowledge about this specific position, about this specific um, kind of career, career field itself. Um, I think that there is so much potential in this career field, especially with expanding. You can become a BCBA, a BCABA, um, even if you're not wanting to necessarily I have a career in this field, in ABA therapy, um, as a BT or as an, as an RBT, it provides experience for people who might want to pursue a career as a licensed psychologist, as a speech therapist, as an occupational therapist, maybe a school counselor even, someone who is just wanting um, some more experience working with children. Like I have lots of people actually that apply um, who are interested in social work. This gives them not only that aspect of working with these children, but also that familial aspect, because it does involve lots of, um, again, involvement from the parents as well, lots of communication. So definitely social work, that's a great one. Someone who is maybe just interested, how you said, in education, that gives them that experience as well, because a lot of it is teaching them new skills, new things, um, new whatever that might be, going back to kind of that doctor aspect, teaching them, you know, what a doctor is, what a doctor does, what a doctor looks like. Um, it, it does give you so many great skills, I feel like, that can help you to pursue a career path and whatever that might be, um, specifically in this career field. Um, again, another thing that I love about the company is that we actually offer tuition assistance programs. So we're able to, if this is you know, a career path that you do want to pursue as maybe a BCBA, um, we are able to help you do so. You know, we would love to help kind of further your education as well and help pay for that, but also provide you with the hours, those supervised and unsupervised hours that you need. Um, I think that, again, there, there's so much potential within this career field and especially within this position. Yeah, I was explaining this to somebody the other day when they were just asking about, you know, what what is the career opportunities? And when you think about the psych field, the education field, it, it kind of blew my mind when I was thinking through it. It's hold on. So not only could you get your degree paid for and and you're working with the professors who are teaching it because they're they're coming from the same organization, but you are walking into within a year or two a potential six-figure salary, which it just typically doesn't happen in education or psych. And it's just that to me was always interesting. It's it's the immediacy if you can kind of work through a, a tough job, is that there's so much there on education and on quality of life and even that intrinsic piece that you spoke about, about just feeling like, you know, I, I'm in such a crucial role. Um, it feels good to talk about it when I was telling somebody, cause I was going through it. I was like, wow, there is so much to offer to an RBT or get through the path as a BCBA that really, unless you stop and think about it, you kind of forget at times. I'm glad that you're able to tell us a little bit more about that, but what are, what are the, I guess I'll call them green flags, but what are the, those 
characteristics of somebody who's kind of thinking out on the out there just like is this the right position for me how do you help guide them to yeah you know what you you sound like the right sort of fit for this sort of job yeah of course so one of the things that i like to mention is this position it doesn't necessarily require experience um, in this career field or experience working with children um, in another work environment. Um, one of the great things that I love about this position in general is because it's an entry level position as a BT. So we're able to help you gain that experience. We're able to help teach you things as you're going through with making this connection and learning how to more specifically work with children who are on the spectrum. Um, I think that some of the things we've, we've touched on previously already in this podcast, but I do want to bring up again is that consistency aspect someone who is able to be more self-motivated but also who's able to recognize um, teamwork and the importance of that when working in this position not only are you working one-on-one -on -one in direct care with your client but you're also in touch with your bcba your supervisor your schedulers um, with the parents themselves the family um, it is it is teamwork, especially from the ground up working with these children. Um, we want to make sure that they are able to progress and having that communication aspect as well is such an important part of it. Um, like I mentioned, patience. Patience is definitely something that is important in this position, but wanting to help others, wanting to make that difference, that is definitely something that I see stands out. And with training other therapists, that's something that I see um, that helps therapists kind of succeed the most in this position and find the most fulfillment. It's not just wanting to find a job just to make money, but it's wanting to pursue this as a career field to be able to help these children progress. Again, this progression is very important, um, especially in more of those earlier developmental stages. If we're able to teach them this and we're able to potentially help them lifelong and you know, help them um, as they grow older, as they become an adult. Um, I definitely think finding that balance as well between being compassionate, but also having to be stern, that is very important. So I think being able to recognize that balance is also such a, a huge characteristic. Um, I think also, you know, being able to work with these kids, um, quite honestly, being able to work with them and build this connection. I know I mentioned that rapport aspect is so important. Um, I think someone who is wanting and willing to do that is also making a huge difference. I think, you know, wanting to build that rapport and connection goes right hand in hand with the passion and not, again, just kind of being around just to be around. Absolutely. And you know, I really appreciate the fact that you said uh, teamwork and that you emphasized teamwork and that response is you never want to be out on an island trying to figure everything out, especially as we just described, your life changes every day. The way that you're interacting, the behaviors might be changing every day. So company culture becomes very important. And a lot of this work is done out in the community, in homes, uh, some of it in centers, but there's a mixture. So how are companies maintaining that team, maintaining that culture, that company, that camaraderie in this sort of environment? 
I think one of the best ways, honestly, is because with our age and time, technology is such um, an advanced thing that we are able to use, a, a great tool that we're able to use. I know specifically with ABS Kids, we have our virtual office, we have Facebook groups, we have um, LinkedIn, where we're able to share our ideas and with other both therapists, whether they're just maybe interested, whether they're uh, parents who have children who have ASD, uh, or maybe they're just friends of families, um, definitely taking advantage of the technology aspect, um, being able to share, again, that progression. That also helps when you're able to see other clients or other therapists working with their clients and hearing that progression. I think that also helps to fuel that passion that we talked a little bit about earlier and keeping, um, keeping that interest and keeping that motivation going. And Megan, your role as a recruiter is so crucial as that as a component of that team as well. Um, we, we all know that consistency is so important. And in this field is that it, it is challenging and, and it's helping to identify those people who have that passion because you don't want families to have a lot of turnover in their team. You want to minimize it where you can. And that first layer of finding the person is so important and then getting your team around there. And whether it's the education program that you described, the community events, the company, the culture building activities, that's all there to provide the support so that people can kind of continue on that career path. But that first step, what you're doing is so crucial is giving that information and making sure that we have the right people with the right passion and the right desires from day one. So what is your advice for people who are out there looking or applying within the field right now? And how do they go about doing that? Yeah, of course. So going back to that passion aspect, I quite honestly whole and wholeheartedly believe that's what makes the difference. Seeing that passion, that is what, again, sets you apart as a candidate, as an interviewee. Um, that's what sets you apart from others if you're able to relay that passion. So definitely when you're applying, even if you don't have that experience, like I mentioned, um, we're able to help with the experience aspects. We're able to provide you with that experience. But even if you don't have that um, as part of like your work um, experience listed on your resume, just sending in emails, including maybe a paragraph, including a cover letter, and just sharing your connection to the field, sharing why you're so passionate or why you are interested in this passion, again, helps you to set apart from other candidates. I think that would be my advice is sharing that passion because, again, that is one of the biggest things, especially as a recruiter, that I look for. Um, those characteristics that we touched on, that is what I look for when I'm interviewing these, um, these candidates as we go through. Like I mentioned, not someone who's just looking for a job, someone who's making money, but someone who is wanting to make the difference. I can't stress that enough. You know, that, that is what sets them apart. And not only um, for the progression and the therapy for these clients, but also for themselves. I think those are the people that really do enjoy this position, um, maybe rather than others. And all of that is so important and it, it plays such a crucial role in the development of so many children's lives and really in just the functioning of a lot of families is finding that right person, that right passion. Um, and where do, where do people find these jobs? Like, where are they sourced from? How, how do we get people connected to the next stage of their life where they can start a brand new career set? 
Of course. So I always encourage people who reach out to me. I always encourage you specifically for our company to check out our website. You know, we do a very good job. Our team does um, of updating those listings of updating those positions. So I think definitely looking online and just researching the company as much as as a company, we want to make sure that you know, you're a right fit for our company. We want to make sure that the company and the position and the job is a right fit for that candidate. Um, so I definitely think looking online um, and researching not only the company, but the position, you know, the benefits that are offered is a great way to kind of narrow down of those companies that you do want to apply to. More specifically, how we're able to find those candidates, we definitely use Indeed. That's been my best friend in sourcing candidates. Um, you're able to make those connections, especially on LinkedIn. Well, thank you, Megan. And I appreciate, I'm going to give this gratitude twofold. One, with your role that you had played as an RBT, um, you obviously understand how important that is, but it couldn't be appreciated more because it's a tough position at times. It's rewarding, but challenging. And and just the fact that you were there for so many families is something that should be applauded. But now with it's just a rapidly growing need to service children and families, it's your role as a recruiter. Um, I think that finding the right people, the right fit and helping them down the next step of their career. Um, I'm sure that they're appreciative when they're getting their graduate degree or when they're getting their BCBA and thinking back of, well, Megan brought me in this career path. So, I mean, it's, it's opening up so many doors. So thank you for that. And I appreciate you being a, a guest on our podcast today. Yes, of course. And thank you again so much for having me on. It's, it's a great thing, not only to be able to share this passion with others, but that's honestly why I love recruiting is because I'm able to talk to these candidates and share that passion even more with them as well. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. Thank you.